Happy New Year, everybody. A happy, happy New Year. I hope that this next year, it's so random. You know, every year starts every second. I mean, do we really have to wait on some Greco-Roman fucking uh, pagan marker of what starts the year? I mean, it's not even lined up with the sun. A, a year should start at the winter solstice, this December 21st. That should be where the... I don't know why it's January 1st. Why am I angry? Um... Anyway, I hope you had a good year. This is exciting, though. It gives you an opportunity to feel like uh, change is imminent, that you are an agent of your own destiny. You feel like this. You feel like this one. This first week of January, you feel like this is going to be the year that doesn't suck like last year. And then February rolls around, you're like, Nah, this one's going to suck too. But you give it a shot. I got uh, resolution. I'm a big believer in resolutions because I feel like even if it only lasts a month, you did it for a month. I know sober January is like a big new thing that people are doing. Um, I am doing, what do I got? I wrote them down. My New Year's resolutions are I'm going to do social media for one hour a day. That means replying to everybody on every social media outlet, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Instagram, and then emails to the website, and then put out a tweet or two, put out a video a few times. Get get with it, Greg. The world is flying past you as you think you can just be funny and and your career will sail forward. No, you got to be a fucking marketer. So I'm going to do it. I'm, I've given over to it. I'm going to work with the fine folks at Midcoast Media to put out more material. Uh, I'm also going to write new material. I did my special last month, and now I'm going to spend one hour. I've done it since the first, and today's the third. I have done it every day. I'm doing an hour of writing, uninterrupted, writing new material. I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes a day, which I did for many, many years, and I kind of fell off in the last year. I'm going to exercise about five days a week, which I kind of already do. I'm going to volunteer at there's this great food kitchen in LA, uh, the People Concern, and I'm going to work there. I'm going to try to work there every other Sunday. And as always, I will maintain my restraints and not jerk off on Mondays. That's the key to the week. Get, get through Monday. Get some stuff done. Then you can celebrate on Tuesday. <laughs> Did you text people that you uh, should be in touch with more, but once a year you reach out to them? Did you do that? I did that with a bunch of people. And, um, and I call my mom, uh, I called her in Florida, I guess it was probably 11 o'clock and she had a, sounded like she had a good buzz on. She was very funny. And she told me that down there, they call it nine o'clock. They call the Florida midnight that, that that's when they celebrate nine o'clock. And 
she uh she's a riot she had she had some funny stories but i you know i miss being drunk sometimes it's it's an excuse to get drunk because when you're drunk it's just more interesting shit happens you put yourself in a position where you're more emotionally vulnerable you're more effusive you're more emotive you take chances you are more apt to go for pleasure to to fucking do whatever it takes to get the pleasure in that moment, which leads to trouble. I mean, don't get me wrong. It leads to trouble, but who do you want to talk to on Monday morning? Me, the sober guy, or uh, Doug Stanhope? What'd you do this weekend, Stanhope? Well, I thought I was on a rooftop and I thought I could jump across and I ended up on a cable. This midget helped me. I mean, there's there's good stories. I just can tell you about that I love my wife and kids. Who wants to hear that again? I do. Uh, we just went out. The whole family went out. By the way, there's no guest today. I don't know if I mentioned that. Today, I always do the first podcast of the year by myself because that's my, uh, my, favorite, my favorite podcast or just sitting alone, talking to you guys. Um, it's it's a way of getting to a bunch of shit that I've been wanting to talk about, but um, I don't have time to on the other podcasts with guests. Um, went out to Joshua Tree, which if you don't know California, it is out by Palm Springs. It's a beautiful national park, or is it a state park? I think it's a national park. And it's got these Joshua trees that are not actually trees, they're bushes, but they're pretty wild looking. Just look at the cover of U2's phenomenal album. I think it might be their best album, or my my favorite album of theirs, Joshua Tree. And there's landscape, it's just these giant smooth white boulders piled up. It's it's right where the San, uh, Santa, San Andreas Fault is, and so... Over time, it's pushed the earth up and it's created these beautiful crevices and people do a lot of mountain climbing. We took a bunch of hikes. Uh, my brother-in-law, my, my wife's brother and his wife and their two sons, and one of them has a girlfriend. And then my mother-in-law flew in from New York and we, they, they flew in from South Africa, her brother and his wife. And they are just the greatest people. They're so rugged. Like up early, want to climb shit, want to play tennis, want to do a cold plunge, want to run. It's 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 intense, but I love them. They're such fucking great people. I married well. I married well for my wife, but double down with the family that I got. And this house, we got this house. I don't know if it's off season, but we got this house pretty cheap. It was a six bedroom with a pool. A giant brand new hot tub, a ping pong table, uh, a billiards table in its own setback house uh, that had a karaoke machine. There was a giant bocce court, a giant, beautiful brand new kitchen that we cooked in a lot. And it was just amazing. It's just so, such a great few days. And I, of course, being a child, I organized an Olympics where there were eight of us. Well, there were nine of us, but uh, mother-in-law wasn't participating. But the rest of us paired up. So there was four teams of two, and we competed in every game in the house that was available, including cornhole. They had fucking cornhole. 
How much fun is that? And I won. I picked my nephew's uh, fiance. No, I know just girlfriend, just her girlfriend. And we uh, we kicked ass. We were we were on fire, and that was fun. We cold plunged in the pool. Um, and then we did karaoke night. Lot of tequila. There was a phenomenal amount of drinking, and karaoke broke out around midnight. And my mother-in-law, who is eighty-five, I think, and I don't know if I've mentioned this, but she and my mother went to the same high school in the Bronx. She knew my aunt, uh, but she I don't think she knew my mom. But anyway, so Bronx chick marries marries a Jew. Nobody comes to the wedding. So she becomes a, she's a nurse and uh, they have a couple kids in New York City, my wife and her brother, and raised them there, divorced, mental health nurse for all these years, tough fucking job, tough raising two kids in New York City, just an amazing woman. And, you know, just like a lot of older people, gets a little stressed out. She has a lot of anxiety and angst, and she gets a little worked up. And so karaoke night started, and we got the microphone into her hands, and she started singing some Tony Bennett. And it was just so cute because I, you don't see that side of her very much. And then we put on a... Uh, 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 who was it? Um, I want to feel... Oh, Whitney Houston. She sang two Whitney Houston songs. And it was so funny seeing an 85-year-old woman bundled up in a parka on the couch singing, I want to feel the heat of your body. And then she topped it off with, I will always love you. Now, keep in mind, one of the, I thought I had the worst singing voice in the world. Just nothing, no vocal quality whatsoever. And she was smiling and she was joyous. And then she got up and she danced. She was like dancing to disco. And uh, I mean, that made the weekend for me, seeing her that happy because she just lost her sister this year. It's been really rough on her. And um, so that was, that was really nice. Um, going back to that house with a bunch of friends from the neighborhood, a bunch of couples, and we're going we're gonna to get six couples, rent the house, and we're going to take, a, we're gonna take a, a handful of mushrooms. We're just going to take a handful of mushrooms and, uh, and just go crazy. Anyway, thank you to the people in Milwaukee who came out. I was there New Year's Eve for the weekend, and it is, uh, it's not an exciting place. I'm not going to lie to you. But the people are very good. They're very nice. And they're polite. And they, they, which doesn't make for great crowds. Like there's no pushback. There's no edge. So they were good shows. But the New Year's Eve show, the actual show that started at 10 o'clock and ended at midnight, was uh, one of the worst sets I've had in the last decade. Because... They just weren't there for comedy. It was a bunch of people that went like, all right, we don't go out all year. We got to go out on New Year's Eve. We're 57 and we're cold. We're wearing plaid and we're going to go to this comedy show. We don't know how comedy works, but we're going to go. And so it was going so bad. I just started crowd working it up. I was just hacking McGee. 
talking to everybody. And then eventually I said, all right, for midnight, we're going to have a couple kiss on stage, but they're a couple that has never met before. We're going to pair up two people. Meanwhile, the entire crowd is couples. Everybody is married or dating. It's all two people together. And so I could only find two single guys and two single women. Here's the catch. The two single women were mother and daughter. Um, fun. Very nice. They come on stage. I interview everybody. I get big laughs. It's going great. And this is at about 1130. And then I say, okay, you guys sit down. Now we're going to bring you back up at midnight. We're going to give you an improv. So you each get an improv sweatshirt and uh, one of my pins. And the feature act gave me each a t-shirt. And we're going to celebrate with champagne. And so they sit down. I proceed to go into the toilet where I twist around. It, it won't even flush. I'm just being swirled around on the porcelain. Nothing. I mean, I'm talking nothing to the point where you, I've been doing this 33 fucking years and I was doubting whether or not I had a funny bone in my body. And I can't explain to you what it's like to be as, as I, I, I can say skilled. I have skills. I have been in front of crowds. I, other than the pandemic, I've never taken off more than three weeks in 33 years. And I think I'm pretty good. And I'm doing my A material. And I mean, just nothing. And you start going faster and your mouth gets dry. I'm no different than an open micer who's done it five times that's in front of seven people at a, at a, at a coffee shop in, East, in Los Feliz. I'm the same guy, doubting everything. Um, can't wait to get off stage. So in my own head, not in the moment. And so... I so I got off. The plan was to get off at like eleven forty-five, let people get their glasses full, chill out, and then we went back up at midnight and we bought the two couples up on stage, the mother and the daughter. And the mother got the kind of nerdy guy. One of the other guy was a little cooler, and so I gave the mom the nerdy guy, and uh, they just kissed on the cheek. And then the other guy kissed the daughter, and then she went in for the hard kiss. But he kind of resisted. I don't know what was going on. And then, uh, and then they, they, everybody just went and sat down and the whole night petered out. I couldn't get my wife on the phone. It was not, it was not a good New Year's Eve. It was not a good midnight. I went back to the hotel room. I packed. I ate some gummies. And, uh, and that was it. I just I spent the whole weekend just in the hotel. There was a Shake Shack across the street. I ate at the Shake Shack on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I got a burger three days in a row, and it was fucking delectable. I love In-N-Out Burger in L.A., but Shake Shack is up there. It's good. And I, so, I, I, so I start watching a, a football game on Saturday, and I'm, I'm riveted. I'm sitting on the edge of the bed. It's one of the best football games I've seen. Gets to the fourth, fourth quarter, and the Chiefs are up by 21 points and the Bengals then in the fourth quarter score 22 points and then uh I think it went into overtime and the whole time I'm like texting all my friends are you watching this fucking game this is incredible 
and like nobody's replying and I'm like, isn't everybody watching this fucking game? And so it goes in overtime and uh, exciting ending and I'm just like, wow, that was great. And all of a sudden I start getting, everybody starts replying. What the fuck are you talking about? They play tomorrow. The Bengals and the Chiefs play tomorrow. And it was like a telecast from three years ago. It was a rerun that they, they was on like an off channel. It was on like the NFL channel or something. And uh, so, yeah. So anyway, that was my Saturday. And editing my special. So got home on Sunday. Or no, Monday. So off. Got home on Monday. And then last night watched uh, Maestro with my brother-in-law sister-in-law my wife i made it about 16 minutes in i don't know if you've seen it it's uh cooper what's his name bradley cooper with a big prosthetic jewish (laughs) jewish nose on which wasn't that a thing that like sarah silverman was like she talked about jew face a couple years ago and that you know they should get jewish people to play those roles and bradley cooper couldn't be a less Semitic person and he had on this and he was smoking nonstop. There was not a single scene he was in that there wasn't a cigarette dangling from his mouth that he was talking like a 1940s. And yeah, you see here, guy, I'm going to play some music. Dad. And he sounded like John Mulaney's stage voice. And it was so fucking annoying. And everybody was trying to get an Oscar. Like this was what you ever see a movie where Everybody's just got it in their head that they're going to get best picture and best supporting actress and they're fucking milking it and, and they're making weird choices. It was just, uh, I was not buying it at all. And so I just, uh, I left, I got up. It was a strong move. I stood up and I just walked out of the room and I went inside and I read, uh, three New Yorkers cover to cover. Um, which I could talk, I'll talk about that later. So, but you know, I think I, I don't have a problem with non-Jews playing Jewish characters, by the way. I, I think this whole thing about people having to be gay to play a gay character, it just, it, it bumps into the logic police so fast. Like, so what, then Jews can't play uh, non-Jews? Gays can't play straight people? I mean, where does it end? Where's the distinction? I don't, I don't get that. Um, and ironically, Sarah was in the movie and she was great. She was like the only part of the movie I was enjoying. She's fucking, I I love Sarah. Um, but it was not, uh, not good. But I I just think when, when did movies all have to be a morality tale? Like, why is it that Hollywood is so sensitive to letter writers? Like, if you go to a fucking Walgreens and there's not a white, a black, an Asian, and a transsexual working, you don't write letters to Walgreens about it. But somehow in Hollywood, they are so afraid of pushback about uh, cultural sensitivities. I, I don't want to sound like that guy. What am I? The old white guy complaining? I'm not. But it is strange to me that um, Hollywood, nobody can be an asshole. If they are of a, uh, an oppressed, if they're an oppressed person, like I remember Sharon Stone was, it was a lesbian killer in basic instinct and the lesbians went crazy. Why do they have to depict her as a lesbian? 
that lesbians are killers. No, this one is. In this movie, this character that this writer thought of out of thin air happens to be a lesbian. Okay? And James Bond, guess what? Good guy or bad guy? I don't know. He's he's stopping the world from nuclear holocaust, but at the same time, he's not afraid to bang abroad and then use her as a fucking shield when somebody starts shooting at him through the hotel window and let her die and just walk out on the cold corpse. Good guy or bad guy? I don't know. Is he sexist? Absolutely. Is it charming? Fuck yeah, because it's fictional. It's just a guy. It's just pretend it's play. Why do we have to represent everything evenly and positively? Especially comedy. I'm tired of these fucking stand-ups that are these positive stand-ups. That's the whole new breed. Is just they're they're fucking folk music comedians. They're saccharine. They have no balls. They challenge nothing. They don't say anything that could be taken wrong by anybody. And it's fucking tired. And I blame you guys for supporting it. Why are you watching this shit? Comedy should be dangerous. Comedians should be unlikable. Especially Irish ones. Right? I don't know. Does everything have to have a happy ending? Anyway. So, the relatives are still here. Uh, I think they leave Thursday. We played paddle tennis this morning. And then we're going to go visit them next Christmas. The family's going to South Africa. They live in Johannesburg. And we're going to spend a few weeks in South Africa, go down to Cape Town, go to Mozambique, do a little uh, safariing, go to uh, Sun City. We went to, we've been to South Africa a few times. And I like Sun City because South Africa has no rules. And they have uh, a water park where the wave pool has waves that are, I don't know, 12 feet. It's fucking crazy. It's like tsunamis and people are getting flipped in the air and the the pool is shallow and there's like one lifeguard. Uh, you know, there's no, the, you go on the safari, you don't, you don't have to stay in your car. You can just, anybody can go anywhere. We, we stayed in a tent in the middle of the park last time. I unzipped it. And they, like you heard fucking lions. If you've never heard a lion growl in the wild, your molecular, you, you're, you, 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 why can't I speak? On a molecular level, you just rumble. Your fear is so intense. You freeze. You can see why they do it because the prey freezes. And I unzip the tent in the morning and there's a fucking giant ostrich head. Like an ostrich in Africa. Its head was the size of two of my heads and it was right there um so we're gonna do that um what else are we gonna do um i guess we're gonna go to oh we're going to mazatlan which is in mexico on april 7th is there's a solar eclipse that's happening on april 7th and my son is uh he just finished a month in uh, guatemala traveling with his buddy they're just taking buses around and staying in youth hostels and climbing volcanoes and uh and they're having a blast so anyway their trip ends in mazatlan so our whole family my niece my nephew um our cousins 
everybody's going down to Mazatlan and then the kid he's traveling with has like eight people coming down. So we're going to rent a bunch of houses and spend a week down there in Mexico. Uh, it's going to be amazing. And then I'm going to New York to promote my special when it comes out in March. I'll give you details of that as, as they happen. And then, um, yeah. So I guess I should talk about, well, first of all, I should talk about our fine sponsor. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is, uh, look, you know, do you want to stay the same in the new year or do you want to challenge yourself? Think, you know, like think opposite of new year, new you. Are you crushing it? I mean, do you want to crush it? This is the time. This is this is some momentum that you can grab onto. Use it. I know it's corny and I know it's random, but use it. Why not? Take charge of yourself. And uh, the best way to do it is with BetterHelp, which is online therapy. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to sit in a weird waiting room. Uh, no, it's just, it's simple. They have licensed therapists that are matched to you based on a questionnaire you fill out of what you're trying to accomplish, what your background is. Uh, and then they find somebody with that expertise. I did it during the pandemic. I've talked about this a million times, but I can't tell you enough. I had a great experience and I really feel like this is the best way to do therapy online. And I think this is the best company to do it with. Um, it's, it's entirely convenient and flexible and uh, and it's cheaper. It is less expensive by far than standard in-person therapy. So um, find out how you can do it. Uh, visit betterhelp.com slash Fitzdog today to get 10% off your first month. Start the year right. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Fitzdog. Do it. All right. So I wanted to... I think it's all about gratitude this year, talking about what you're grateful for in the past year. So I made a list, and uh, first thing I have down was my son graduated college, which was a very big deal. Um, He went to DePaul in Chicago, and he had to go through hell with the pandemic. I shouldn't say hell. No, the Tutsi warriors in Africa go through hell when they're beheaded. Uh, no, he went through a very difficult, challenging time with with taking classes online and then having a, the next year, half the year's canceled. He's got to wear a mask. It kind of sucked, but he pushed through it. I'm very proud of him. And, uh, and now he's moving on with his life. My daughter is doing amazing. Every time I think I can't love her enough, I just I just fall more in love with her. She's just the most awesome, unique, smart, cool chick. And uh, she's she's taking her classes and she's working and uh, she's got great friends and she's a great daughter. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm obviously thankful for my wife. She's got a new career that's really booming this year as a doula. And she's had a bunch of clients that she's worked with, little babies, and helped the families get acclimated to their new lives, helped them to breastfeed and sleep coaching and and she loves it. She comes home with a smile on her face, and uh, I'm I'm really happy for her. And um, yeah, but what else can you say? Um, we had a great trip. The whole family went to Ireland. My mother, my sister's family, my brother spent a week in Ireland and a week in Spain, and that was pretty magic. We looked. We tried to do it during the the pandemic, got canceled, 
The next year, we got boxed out of getting a house because it was so busy. So we finally made it this year. And I did a show over there, and we took a lot of hikes and had a lot of great dinners, and there was just a lot of laughs, and it was fun. Uh, I visited my mom in Florida, which was nice because she's been having a rough year since her heart surgery. So we uh, we just chilled, just me and mom, for a week down in Florida. I got to do that again this year, I think. Um, went to some fun concerts, saw Neil Young, uh, saw The Dead, went to Nashville with Gibbons, stayed with his girlfriend, and we went and saw Jason Isbell and Wheeler Walker Jr., both at the Ryman Auditorium. That was amazing. Had a crazy good Thanksgiving. Mom came out. We did the soccer and the cold plunge after dinner in the ocean and the dessert thing. Uh, that was great. Um, my cousin Denny, I'm very grateful for him doing so well in the U.S. Open. I went to the U.S. Open this year. His dad got me some tickets, and I walked the course with him and watched Denny do great. Uh, had a great year. Um, grateful for where else did I go this year? I wrote down. Oh, I went to Philadelphia, stayed with my buddy Dan Brickner, who I never get to spend a lot of time with. Stayed at his house, uh, with his wonderful wife and kids, and it was that that was great. Went to Malibu one weekend with Aaron and a couple friends. Went to Escondido, which is down by San Diego, with my wife. Just me and her. Three days. We uh we played frisbee golf and uh we what the fuck we just hung at the pool and hiked and it was nice just it was great went to uh i went to a bunch of play i went to florida with bert kreischer and i i did my first first time i ever was on a tour bus for for like four or five days and just traveled around Sleeping on a bus, doing shows at arenas with 16,000 people. Went to the Daytona 500. Uh, stayed up partying with Shane Gillis and, and a bunch of lunatics one night in a, in, in a Florida parking lot. It was pretty awesome. Um, I want to thank, I, I'm also thankful that I, I made some friendships. Friends that went deeper was nice this year. Um, the couple people that are very special to me, Andrew Santino, who I feel like I just got, I, I just got to know a lot more and got to love more. Annie Letterman, I got to know and love more. So, uh, that, I'm thankful for that. Uh, St. Patrick's Day show, it was the 15th year. Zach came down, uh, Bill Burr, Harlan Williams, uh, who else? We had some other great acts on, but, uh. That was great. We did the Best Bunny, Best Buddies Benefit Show. Uh, Sarah Silverman came down. Santino and Bobby Lee, Ron Funches, Annie Letterman, and uh, and then the Chris Tenney went up, who's a a best buddy who's got autism, and he he did stand up comedy and killed. That was great to watch. Um, I did twenty two episodes of a game show that's coming out. I think this month. I have to let you know when what the air date is. For the Game Show Network, I had a, I sold a show to the Game Show Network with my buddy Mike Dugan, so we developed that all year. We pitched it, did not get bought, but hey, it was a lottery ticket. I got a deal this year uh, to write a script with a guy uh, named uh, Matt Fulcheron, who's a really talented comic. Bill Burr is producing it, so we're writing the script. We're going to go pitch that this year. I shot my special this year. 
at Joe Rogan's Club. That went really well. I'm editing it now. Uh, a movie I shot with Doug Stanhope came out this year. It got released. It did really well. And uh, it's called Road Dog, if you want to see it. And uh, Doug Stanhope won some awards for his acting, which he which he disparages. He does, he, I, don't think he, I think he didn't like winning. I did 24 weeks on the road this year, which is kind of exactly where I want to be. I always want to be on the road like every other week. So that worked out great. I did my thousandth episode of my podcast. So I did 49 Fitz Dog Radio podcast this year. I did 48 Sunday Papers podcast this year. Um, and then uh, 26 Childish podcasts. Uh, the Fist Dog Radio, I, I, I can't list all the guests that meant a lot to me for coming on. But some of the highlights were um, Reggie Watts was great. David Tell, Robert Smigel, Louis Black. Doug Stanhope, uh, Susie Izzard, Rob Corddry, Pauly Shore, Tim Dillon, David Cross, Kreischer, Sam Morell. It was a great year. So if you want to go back and listen to episodes, you can go to the website and get the premium membership for like, I think it's like 20 bucks a year, something like that. Um, I did 200, and th- I added these up. I did 237 shows in Los Angeles. I directed Zane Lamprey's stand-up special. I'd never directed a special before. Um, I had a goal at the beginning of the year to grow my Instagram up to 100,000. I am now at 99,700. So I missed that goal, but let's make it happen. If you haven't followed me on Instagram, please take a minute right now. Get me over the line. That would be, that would be fucking great. Uh, I just got a new studio, got kicked out of my old studio so they could make pickleball courts, not making that up. And now I'm, uh, I'm in a new studio, which, which actually is way nicer. It's a giant green screen studio with a lot of new cameras. And, uh, I think you're going to see a difference in the quality of the shows. So, um, that's, that was what I was grateful for. And my health, of course. Nobody, nobody too close to me died. That's a nice year when that happens. And, uh, and I, I just hope to sell out Madison Square Garden this year. No, I really don't. I've never had that hope. I've never understood people who said when they were little that they dreamt of selling out Madison Square Garden. That's always such a fucking weird. Like I remember Dane Cook said that he wrote that down when he was a kid that he wanted to sell out. Boston Garden and or Madison Square Garden and he and he and he mailed it to himself and he still has it. No, no, you didn't. I don't think you did. I mean, maybe you did, but why? Who would dream that? Oh, you know, it's like and then you can see like America's Got Talent. You got all these kids that are like their dream. Their dream is to be a singing star. Why? Just fucking try to get a hand job like everybody else. That's that's all you need as a teenager. Just too too much emphasis on dream following your dreams in this kind. I don't want to be negative, but it costs a lot. Following a dream, you give up a lot, and sometimes it's for the wrong reasons. People do it because they want to be famous. Fame sucks. Not that I'm famous. I'm talking about the people I know that are famous. I wouldn't want to trade places with them. I've seen it up close. No privacy, no choices. You don't trust if people want something from you 
everybody's got an ulterior motive. And so just be a kid. I, I, my mom helped me follow my, my mom, my mom helped me follow my dream. Really? I would have loved to see my mom ask me, what's your dream, honey? Can I help you follow your dream? Yeah. Yeah. Here's my dream, mom. I want to work a three-way with my tutor and my math teacher. Can you help me follow that dream? Can you invite them over? Give them a few shots of tequila and see what happens? Ugh, dreams. It's a job. Stand-up's always been a job for me. It's never been a fucking dream. It's like a really fun job. Dreams are for saps. Anyway, here's my dream now. Den Theater in Chicago, Illinois on January 13th. That's coming up. I want to sell this fucker out. Tell your friends, come on out to the Den Theater. Atlanta Punchline, January 18th through the 20th. Portland Helium, February 22 through 24. Then I'll be coming to La Jolla, to the Comedy Store, Tampa, to Side Splitters, Fitzdog.com to get tickets. Check it out. Get involved. Um, also, we got some great overheards. This one comes from Mark D'Antonio, who said on Vancouver's Davies Street, he overheard, so how is circus school today? Is she a clown yet? I wonder if you have to graduate circus school to be considered a clown. Like, if you want to be a comedian, literally all you have to do is do it once. Now you're a comedian. Congratulations. Same as me. Same title. Um, But with a clown, maybe you have to, even though a clown sounds like the silliest job in the world, some place, France takes it very seriously. I remember T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller went to France and went to fucking circus school to be a clown. How fucking cool is that? How about getting your kid to do that? Everybody, I got to get my MBA in business. No, go to clown school in France. I guarantee you'll have better life. This was from uh, Lucia Ribeiro, who's a dear friend of the show. Uh, Overheard in a thrift store, you're not a brilliant artist until you've got a drug problem. That's some old school thinking. I've been sober for 95% of my career. I quit a year into stand-up. And uh, am I a brilliant artist? Yeah, I am. And you know what? You don't need to do drugs or drink. Some of the best comedians out there don't do drugs or or they drink a little. But, you know, some of my favorite, David Tell, doesn't touch his stuff. Doesn't do anything. Um, who else is great that's sober? Jim Gaffigan's very good. Um, I don't know. I should have written down a list of people there. But anyway, I don't think I could, here's what I would need. I would have a drug problem if I worked in marketing. If that was my job, if I was in sales or marketing, I would need a drug problem. I would need to be high all fucking day to do some soul crushing corporate shilling for a product I didn't believe in. Uh, This is some mail. I got one from, who is this from? Neil. Saw you in Milwaukee last night. We had a great evening. Got a pin and shook your hand and you seem like a genuinely nice guy. Thank you. I think I am. 
Many years ago, when I and my two brothers were at Chicago's Adler Planetarium, the three of us were looking at a display about Uranus. Myself and one brother wandered off, and my oldest brother didn't realize he was talking to a random stranger. I've done that. When I overheard him say, I didn't know there were rings around Uranus. Fan for life, Neil. Which, by the way, what, what better joke when you're 12 than Uranus jokes? Just the classic, why, why, why is the US, what was it, the USS Enterprise and toilet paper alike? Because they both hunt for Klingons in the rings around Uranus. I mean, it just, it's just a fucking layup. It's like life, God sat down and he went, let me give, let me give, me, give him an easy one. That's good. He gave us a bunch of words like that. Bangkok? How about a place that's known for prostitution and ladyboys? Let's call it Bangkok. Then there's, uh, I remember in science class, there was this, uh, some kind of substance, and it was called fuckalite. And the teacher had to say fuckalite. And we had to laugh because that was our job as students in front of a teacher that was saying fuck a light. There's um, mastication, which just means chewing, but it sounds like something you shouldn't do on Mondays. Mastication. There's your tailbone, which is called your everybody coccyx. That's a good one. Uvula is a good one in the back of your throat. That sounds dirty. Um, I want to round out this podcast by thanking you guys so deeply for supporting this podcast, the other podcasts, my stand-up, and making me feel like I have some kind of a reason to keep doing this. I, I love doing it, and uh, and the letters I get from you, the notes, the songs, and uh, logos we get for Sunday Papers, never stop. I never stop being grateful for that. And thank you for letting me uh, be in your lives, in your ears, whatever it is that you do while you listen. Um, I cherish this relationship with you. And, uh, and I, you know what? I got a really nice uh, video, the Segretti family, and they sent me one last year, and they promised me that this will be an annual tradition. It's uh, Anthony, Perpetua, and Celine is their, their baby. And they just sent me like a couple-minute video with them talking to me in the camera and saying beautiful things. And they're a beautiful family and they live in Brooklyn. And I hope to meet them someday when I'm playing in New York. But uh, that's it. Also, a huge amount of thanks to Midcoast Media that puts this show out every week. They do an amazing job. They're so supportive. Uh, they're so nice to work with. Pros. And, uh, and that's it. We'll see you next week. God bless America.